Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Hollywood Matt Connolly with the double biceps. It is a legal requirement every single time we appear on camera, just keeping the lawyers happy, ticking the boxes. The man to my left, but to your right, it is the co-pilot, the co-breather of air, the co-wearer of clothes. In this very room, it is, in fact, the master of disaster, the king of sting, the count of Monte Cristo. It is Thunderlips, the ultimate male. It is the winner of the Dave Stockbridge of the Year Award. And there it is there, the illustrious award held by the illustrious man with the illustrious beard. It is your friend and mine. It is Dave, Dave Stockbridge. Stockbridge, welcome to your own Daily Combat podcast. Well, thank you very much for that very, very warm introduction. I think of it less as mine and more of it ours. <laughs> After two and a half years, Hollywood, Matt Connolly, if it's not ours, whose is it? Um, it's so, everybody's. Uh, yeah, it is everybody's. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we are joined here by triple champ, Danielle Dropbear. Curtis. Danielle, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and, and thank you for having such a professional setup. It makes us, a, well, I don't know if it makes us look worse or about, uh, it makes the whole podcast look a whole lot more professional, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah we're all levelling up together. <laughs> and uh, from what I understand, you've got your own podcast, which has just dropped recently. Maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I most certainly do. And I love that you use the phrasing that it just dropped. Um, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, uh, I'm Danielle Drop Bear Curtis. So obviously the podcast had to be something Drop Bear related. So it's actually called Drop Bear Downpour. Um, and there is a reason for that name. Um, but yeah, basically we're two episodes in, um, and it is a video podcast, obviously available just audio as well. So hence, um, I guess a little bit of why this probably looks the way it does. Um, you know, we're still just growing and building. I'm just starting. Um, but yeah, super, super excited about it really. And gotten some really cool feedback. Um, and I felt like it was just the right time to, to launch it because, we jumped straight in actually the first two episodes, uh, my partner and I um, discussing and debriefing the trip to, to Adelaide to, to Diamondback um, and pretty much everything leading up to that, um, the, the trip itself and then obviously the fight and, and after that and what it meant and uh, how incredible it was and we've chopped up some like behind the scenes footage and stuff um, into, into the podcast as well so people can sort of see what it's like um, from the fighter's perspective and from a partner's perspective, which has been really interesting for me to actually hear my partner talk about what those moments are like for him. So that's been really, really cool um, for mm. me as well. So, um, And then we're going to talk to a whole bunch of people um, as, as well. And, um, I mean, the podcast is really going to be a bit of everything um, and and hopefully we can uh, – do something something positive there give out some advice that helps someone or 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 something along the way so yeah so but what was the uh, idea going into it was it just to document your journey as an athlete and to to have your partner's perspective um or was it more just to kind of share a little bit about your world yeah well it was um we weren't ever planning that the first episodes would be would be that um it just felt right um and yeah, originally it was just going to be, you know, a way to sort of bring, um, as I do with everything, I think about the sport and progress, progressing it forward. And um, I think one of those things sometimes is people don't have, like they still have an outdated mindset. So sometimes bringing forward, you know, all the good characteristics and showcasing the sport and helping bring a lot more information out there in a, in a different sort of more personable uh, format can help break down those barriers and so that's kind of what I wanted to do and and showcase things um, from that positive perspective of what martial arts and combat sports sort of brings to people in a, in a positive light and I wanted to speak to people about you know their journeys and what they do you know to be able to give advice and, and guidance and you know help other people but just in general I want to chat with some some awesome people because everyone has like a story um, and I think there's a lot of other sides of combat sports that people don't get to see. But mm. I also want to showcase, you know, myself and my journey because people always ask me heaps of questions and they want to know the the behind the scenes stuff. But they also want to know a bit more about my life outside of combat sports a little bit as well. And I have a, a I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. I've done a bunch of really random things in my life, like a lot of different things. Um, <laughs> and so I'm keen to to showcase and talk about some of those things. And I love making fun of myself and, you know, 
all of the the dumb things that I've done um, as well. So I more than happy, like I, I plan on telling some really, really funny stories or talking about, you know, the moments where things didn't go right and, and all of that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, it's going to be a bit of everything. Um, obviously a lot of combat sports, but a, a few other bits and pieces to get to know me a little bit outside mm. of that as well. Well, before we get into too many of those embarrassing stories, um, perhaps you can fill our audience in with exactly who you are and what you've recently achieved. So I believe you're our very first triple champion, Australian triple champion. Is that right? Yes, um, but I actually don't know of, and I've sort of been researching it since I set myself this goal, I don't think that there is anyone in the sport in general that's been a triple weight division champion holding all titles at the same time. There's been plenty wow. of people that have have uh, gotten titles mm. across their entire career in many different um, weight divisions but not holding them all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. We've just got the UFC encyclopedia out. Yeah. Just me. Just to have that bit of a look. And, I like uh, it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I think you're um, right. Yeah, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. It doesn't so say heap, there's heaps the of people. UFC encyclopedia, so. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few people nowadays. Double champ is becoming a lot more common. Obviously, that's still less common than, say, boxing or, or Muay Thai or whatever because um, in MMA the jumps between weight divisions are so significant yeah. compared to – so becoming a triple weight division in MMA is basically having six titles in boxing, which yeah. is, you know, yeah. huge. Um, so that's why it, it, it is such a big thing and there is such big jumps and such big percentages of your total, like, body mass essentially that you're either shaving down or, or putting on um, and because people do cut a lot of weight because these jumps are so big if you you know you're, you're cutting to to um, well we're seeing a lot of people cut quite a lot a lot because otherwise they're too small for the next division because they're, they're so big so yeah there's been heaps of people um, that have done double champ there's a few people a handful of people that have held titles at some point in their career and it's still very few people in three weight divisions, but it's generally been over the the entirety of their career. And I've got got all three of them within like a year and a half. Wow! If, you know, amazing. So, we, yeah. which was the first of those three titles? The heaviest, so featherweight, and that was my world title. Um, where over at Gamma, so the Gamma World Championships, um, that stands for Global Association of Mixed Martial Arts. Basically kind of like Olympics but for MMA. Um, so you go over there, you represent your country. So I was representing Australia. Um, very similar to how boxing is run in the Olympics, that you weigh in every single day. So unlike what we normally have in MMA where it's 24-hour weigh-in, mm. over there it's going to be you weigh in every day um, and you potentially are fighting up to two or three times a day. Usually I think it was a maximum of two times a day over a couple of days um, and so obviously it's a straight knockout tournament like and it just depends how many athletes came over. Um, so there are two of those kind of world championships. There's Gamma and there's IMAF and IMAF is all Amis and Gamma is just the best of mm. best fighters from every country, Ami or Pro. So it's a Pro-Am but it's uh, fought under the same rule set basically as IMAF, it's basically amateurs because you can't have a tournament with elbows and people getting cut open because then they can't fight the next fight. So you still have the the uh, slightly bigger gloves, the material shinies and, you know, the modified rule set. Uh, That's how many basically, basically an amateur rule set. But wow. I did fight for the – when I fought in the – so I, I won all my fights um, and and – and won the gold medal and and um, that was really, really cool because you, mm. you know, get to walk out with the flag and you get to hop on the podium and get your medal and, you know, sing the national anthem. Everybody has to sing your anthem, so that was cool. But <laughs> in the gold medal match I did actually fight a professional fighter and she was already four fights into her pro professional career mm. and she had won the a Asian or European championships and so she was the big prospect that was meant to run through the division and win. Um, so, yeah, that was a pretty crazy experience. Yeah. Wow. How, so, how so, many fights in total was it? And what were the rounds and lengths of the rounds for? So they were the same. There's still three three-minute rounds. Right. Um, 
I had originally when I was going over there, there was going to be like 12 people in my division. And then when I got over there, a bunch of them moved divisions. And um, because it was uh, last year in March um, and there was obviously like all of a lot of countries were locked down the like end of 2021. So there was a bunch of countries that actually couldn't come. Um, So we went from like 12 down to like, Three or th- three or four, three or four. So I got two matches. I didn't get any buys, um, and I <laughs> I flew halfway around the world to to the Netherlands to Amsterdam, and my first match was a girl from New Zealand, and I was like, <laughs> "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! Especially because like we hung out as like an Oceania like pod, so Australia, yeah. New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga, like you know. <laughs> And then let's go to war. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we actually sat down even when we found out the draw and we had dinner together the night before and we openly said, Oh, this is my experience. This is your experience. Yeah, good luck. Let's make them wish that this was the gold medal match. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. But um, as yeah, the Kazakhstan girl um was the only one I think that got a buy um because she had already won the Asian championship. So she was like already ranked within the system like as number one so that was the professional yeah the professional oh, yeah okay. yeah so, so. Were, you, were you were you pretty confident going into that or were you like many coming out of COVID not exactly sure where you're sitting on an international basis no I nearly gave up the sport before I got selected for for that wow. um yeah oh. <laughs> it's been a crazy turnaround you gave up and then became a triple champ and then so what were some of the things going on there that made you reconsider whether or not this was the sport for you well it wasn't it wasn't that i ever didn't love the sport i had like the worst year of my life in 2021 um that like broke me um and so it was coming off the back of that and obviously COVID, and then not you know, having been able to fight and before COVID, I really, really struggled to find fights, like really, really struggled. I went two years where I just couldn't get a fight before COVID. And I was in, I was in basically in camp for two years because someone would say yes to a fight and I'd do the entire camp and we'd get anywhere from five to nine or 10 days out from the fight Mm. and they'd pull out and then... The next, oh. and is that because they they then found out who you were? <laughs> um, and it, no. I, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't cool know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Just, but it's yeah. not like I had a great record because I was fighting like I was literally just taking any fight I could get. So I was fighting at these. I was I was fighting at way too heavyweight divisions for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I've fought now from seventy, just over seventy kilos, all the way down to fifty six kilos. Like mm. that's a crazy weight range when you think yeah. about the percentage of my body weight that that is. Like, yeah. what's, you know, your, what's your natural? Like, what is it? Fifty six? Is that where you should be fighting at? Fifty six is definitely where I'm going to continue fighting at. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Now that I'm entering the pro ranks, um, I don't feel like when you're an AMI, you just want experience and time in there, and you want to get fights, and you know that's why I did that. Mm. But going into the professional ranks, you really need to, you know, think about those kind of things. You know, you want to set yourself up for success. Um, and, you know, it's it's a, it's a really hard. Like for the last seven – so I've had seven fights since February last year right. and every single one of them, I haven't had a single time where I've fought at the same weight back to back so i've gone up down up down up down up down and that has taken that's a lot of lot more extra stress and and hard work um and planning with like my coach my dietitian my strength and conditioning coach and like putting on size and then stripping size off and changing your body composition and in fairly short time frames is very hard Mm. and knowing that you're going to have to fight someone that's bigger than you and figure out how to like do that Mm. And every fighter has different, like, body type, has different strengths and weaknesses. Like, it's all, yeah. So I'm actually really excited because this fight that I'm about to have on the weekend is um, 
going to be at flyweight as well. So it's literally going to be the first time <laughs> that, that I can make, defending the, the, belt make there the same weight. Yeah. This is for a title defense? No, I'm going professional and I'm fighting actually for a professional title, which is not something generally that you do on a professional debut. Um, mm, but it's wow. because both myself and my opponent have a number of accolades. So we both have um, world titles. So mine in Gamma and hers in IMAF. Um, And then obviously I have the two other weight division titles as well. Um, But we've both had a lot of fights um, in, uh, you know, the last sort of year and a half, two years. Um, And so we're actually ranked, both of us are ranked very highly in the pound for pound rankings uh, in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and in our weight division, we're actually ranked, you know, higher than a lot of the pros. Um, so, yeah, um, they, I think the promotion asked for it and the, the officiating body said, yeah, well, I mean, these two girls fighting it makes sense that they should be fighting for a title regardless of it being their pro debut because they've they've both got so many accolades and they're both ranked higher than a lot of the other pros. Um, yeah. So, is that yeah, which is crazy. Girls, the fly, flyweights, is that 56? Yeah, 56.7, yeah. And is featherweight, was that 70? No, featherweight was 65.8, so basically 66, so 10 kilos. Wow, 10 just, kilos. Just, just shy of 10 kilos between... Um, massive. (laughs) That's massive when I'm not a big person, like massive. Like when you think about uh, it at heavyweight, 10 kilos, maybe not as big of a deal. 10 kilos when you're talking, you're making 56 kilos, you know, 10 kilos is like 20% of your body weight. (laughs) Absolutely enormous. Then you said you fought at 70 kilos as well. Was that a catch weight fight? Uh, Well, it was was 70 point something. Basically lightweight. Lightweight, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that that came about because it was going to be a featherweight fight um, and then the promotion changed it. When one came in with the um, them changing their weight divisions, um, it's a promotion that's not around anymore. Mm. Um, they last minute uh, decided to change it to you could um, just not, not cut and you can weigh in all the way up to the next weight division's limit. Wow. Um, that makes but, no sense at all. <laughs> but um, the other fighter in camp knew about that the whole time and mm. I did not until a week before the fight. Mm. So I was like 66 kilos and she cut mm. to make 70. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It wasn't her. <laughs> It wasn't her fault. Like she was just doing what her coach was telling her to do. Um, You know, uh, at the end of the day, that's a promoter thing and potentially um, the the coach thing. Um, But it is what it is. You learn these things. Mm -hmm. How how did you go with the the weigh-ins on every day with the competition that you did overseas for that world title? Yeah, yeah. well, I was really stressed about it, not going to lie, but it ended up being um, like a breeze. Um, obviously, over there, Gamma is kind of associated with one. So they also did hydration testing and like random hydration testing and stuff okay. over there. Like we did have to yeah. also go to a seminar about, you know, USADA and drug testing and all that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't. Didn't have too many issues, but I had planned it all out with my dietitian. Um, so that was, you know, something that we were mindful of going over there, having my weight at a certain weight and sort of figuring out what I should be eating while I'm over there <clears throat> to not only fuel myself to be able to fight, but also to be able to recover. Um, but I was pretty lucky. I didn't really take um, much, much damage. Um, I, my first fight was a first round submission and um i won the gold medal via um tko in the in the third so 
Amazing, the third as well. Well done. Yeah. Well done. And, uh, and of course, you made history more recently here in Adelaide at the DFC by becoming the very first women's champion of the DFC. Um, so a, a, a great moment and a fantastic victory speech. Um, it may, maybe my favourite of all time um, for, for two reasons. One, you're especially eloquent and articulate. And, and in that moment where you've just fought five rounds, like, really gone to war i don't even understand how you're even breathing at that stage <laughs> let alone having have, have been cognizant enough to deliver a speech in the way that you did and as you're delivering that speech i was holding the microphone and all i was getting was like sprays of blood just all over my hand all over the microphone <laughs> all over my nice collar on my jacket and it just kept coming just as you're doing that and I, afterwards i did a little sponge painting with the microphone and now i wish i'd kept that and got you to sign it so we could put it here in the studio but alas uh, <laughs> that didn't that's happen. all right we can sign something else i'll tell you a funny story um along the similar lines <laughs> also thank you for the compliment on the the post fight speech um in my very first mma fight i uh, i traveled to lithgow i fought their hometown lithgow girl she was i think two and oh or three and oh um and she'd she'd stopped everyone in the first round and uh it was my debut and I went out there and I beat her and I TKO'd her um and (laughs) there was a point in time where I was like kneeing her to the face and she got a blood nose and she was the blood was spraying everywhere didn't think much of it um but it wasn't until after the show uh one of the officials came up to me and I didn't realize he was one of the officials and he's like oi you owe me a pie. And I was like, what? It's like, you owe me a pie. I don't even know who you are. Sorry, what are we talking about? And he's like, yeah, I was an official for your fight and they just bought food to our, like, they just bought food to us and then you literally knee that girl in the face in front of us and sprayed our food with blood. Uh, extra tomato sauce for you. Well, <laughs> well, a kind of similar situation. I was, I was just a ring, a cage side, and uh, just watching the fight, almost minding my own business, and then, uh, and it just this spray of blood just came all over my beautiful orange copper. I'm not sure what the color of that jacket is. Burnt still. orange. Burnt orange. We'll go with burnt, burnt orange. Caramel. It's a velour of some kind, <laughs> and uh, just, just sprayed all the way. All the, my all apologies. And, just, and and I looked I was up. Sharing. And, there's the two of you. Yeah, it was traumatic for me. Sharing um, is caring, right? You need a red jacket. <laughs> Get a red one. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> and then like, I, I got a, I got all the blood off, like, I, straight away, because I knew what my tatter would say. So I, I got got the water and I got it all off and I thought, that's okay. I think it was, like, only round two or something like that. It's, like, plenty of time. That'll dry out. And, of course, it did dry out. It'll all look great. And then I was interviewing at the end. We need to get like, you a poncho. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Get it was a very passionate. <laughs> it was a very passionate post-fight speech, that's for sure. Um, but I like I genuinely like mean, as you could tell, I've meant every word of it, and um, I think it's really important to try and showcase, as I said, the positive parts about the sport, and you know that's what that's that's what I love to do. So you know, the first thing that I wanted to do was thank Talia because you know we couldn't have put on that show without both of us there. Like that doesn't happen. I don't, I don't get to do that without an opponent. I didn't get to have that moment without her. Um, and it wouldn't have meant as much if it wasn't that fight with her. Like it was such a good fight and we had so much, like I had the best time if you couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were having a ball, win, lose or draw. Throughout the whole fight, you were smiling, you're, you're, you're joint, you're in the moment. There was no look of distress on your face. Uh, plenty of blood, but no look of distress. You know, you were, you were genuinely having a great time in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I do that a lot. I smile through like majority of my fights or all of them. I think I've smiled. I smiled at some point during them, but I generally smile a fair bit when I fight. Um, yeah, it's a and then cursing for your opponent, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't do it per- purposely to put them off or anything. I don't even think about that. But like, for example, that my second fight, I did have a chat with my opponent about it out. Uh, like after the fight we were chatting at the very beginning of the fight she threw like the most perfect overhand right you've ever seen and it clocked me right on the temple 
And I just smiled at her and then started pushing forward and the look on her face went from like, hell yeah, to like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And we talked about it out the back afterwards and she's like, I literally hit you with the most most perfect overhand right that I've ever thrown. (laughs) And then you just smiled at me. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're fighting the Terminator or something. And she's like, like, why did you do that? (laughs) I was just like, in my mind I was like, yeah, good shot. Now it's my turn. <laughs> like I'm in a fight. That's right. <laughs> you you turned from a fighter to fan back to fighter. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And and obviously you are a big fight fan as well. Like you love the craft. You love the art. Um. And and it seems to uh, my in, in my observations as well. Like you you seem to understand the craft beyond the cage, beyond the ring. You seem to have a sense of. To, to be an elite athlete in 2023 and beyond, I'm, I'm going to have to be a great communicator. I need to have an X factor. I need to put on a good show. You, you seem to have uh, all of that in, in mind as you're, as you're going about your business. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And that, that really means a lot to me. Um, it, it comes from obviously having been a giant fan before I even started this journey. Like I started this journey really, really late and I actually – if you had told me, <laughs> if I, if you had told me growing up that I'd be an athlete, I would have laughed at you because I grew up trash at sports, <laughs> trash at anything athletic. And so like hearing someone call me an athlete is like, I still get a bit of a like giggle out of it. Like, oh, I'm an athlete now. <laughs> um, so you didn't but, play any sports when you were younger? Oh, I played them. I was just terrible. <laughs> I get picked last, or just I was like I was really bad. And what, whatever really gave bad. you the, the the thought that you would be good at fighting? Then, um, nothing. I thought I was going to be terrible at it, like everything else, and I was terrible at it for a very, very, very long time. But you were um, a fan of of MMA. That, I was that a fan. Got you into the sport. Yeah, that's what got me in and I more just wanted to do it because like I I was like I would love to do this but I didn't think that I would be able to or ever get to a point of doing it. But then as soon as I started the training, I was like, no, no, I do really badly want to try it and I'll just see how far I can go. But the thing that the thing is I've never been – I'm not naturally athletic but I work really, really hard. So like I played all those sports even though I was trash at them, but I was the first one at training. I was the last one to leave. I would like, because I'm not naturally gifted, it takes me longer to get something. I find it really hard to learn athletic things, but then so I will obsess over them and do them where someone might take them an hour to learn something. It'll probably take me a month, two months to learn it, but I will like do it constantly. I'll do everything that, you know, my coach tells me to do and I will try and do everything perfectly. Obviously, can't be perfect, but it's through that that I've gotten to where I am and it's that determination, um, I guess, and being okay with, you know, not being good at something but knowing that you can outwork that over time. So mm-hmm. hard work, you know, literally all I am is is the product of hard work. I have no natural talent, um, athletic ability. Um, uh, it's all slowly been something I've chipped away at. So hard um, work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. Like I've, I've, and I've watched that. It's taken a very, very, very long time, but I've watched that happen. Where all the talented people, when I first started, that I was like, or even where I was partway through my journey, and that talented people would come in and they could pick up things that took me years to learn. You know in the space of a week and I'd be like, oh, that's so frustrating. But then, you know, they don't stay on. They're not consistent. Yeah. They they don't turn up when they're sick or, you know, when it's their friend's birthday or, you know. Um, mm. And and so that's, I think, that's where my success comes from is not having been good at anything. It was just hard work. And then, yeah, so I didn't think I'd ever do it. And then then, yeah. So anyway, back circling back. It comes from a love of the sport as a fan, number mm-hmm. one. Um, and then number two, uh, because of that fan element and then wanting to make the sport better and I want to be that role model that I wish I had in every element, but I actually am so passionate about combat sports. I also commentate. Mm-hmm. So I've commentated 
uh, all every kind of combat sport. So probably in the last few months, I've probably done five or six different shows that I've commentated. I've also, I'm also trained to officiate. Um, so I can if I'm not if I'm going to a fight show and I'm not commentating, I'm probably there officiating. So I understand, um, you know, those. I understand combat sports and fighting from all those different perspectives and having been a fighter makes me a better commentator because mm. I know how they're feeling or what what I would like to hear a commentator say and mm. then I understand how to call the action because I'm a fighter or I understand probably what the judges are thinking because I understand the scoring criteria and, you know, and then as a fighter, well, I understand the scoring criteria so I know if I can't finish someone what I need to do to win rounds, you know, mm-hmm. so it all, it all comes back to that. And then just in general, as I've said, I just want to showcase the sport in a positive way. So, um, mm. and I, I think that's the best way to do it. Mm. I was going to say, have you had any media training or anything? The way you speak is it's very, very professional and you can hear it in your voice that it's like, well, this, this girl sounds like she's a pro. Yes. <laughs> She's not just a pro fighter, she's a pro presenter as well. Because most of the time when we have guests on, it might be their first ever time doing any sort of media or doing an interview or podcast, and it was like, you know. like it is for us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's our 300th debut this episode. (laughs) But, you know, straight away you've got a professional setup right there. You've got a fantastic microphone. It all looks great. You've got your headphones. The gear is all set up. And then as soon as you start speaking, it's like, oh, this. She knows what she's doing here. She this is she... this is a professional voice coming out. Here. <laughs> well, oh, you know how I said I want to want to tell people about other elements of my life because I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. When I was growing up and I was in school, so I guess what some of the things are that are the furthest from being an athlete possible would probably be science, which I did all of the sciences. Um, mm-hmm. I actually studied forensic science at university. But the other thing that's probably as far away from sport as possible is is drama. And growing up, I actually did drama and I actually was um, the lead in a play um, that I travel around, like a theatre production um, when I was in school. So I did some acting, like theatre acting, um, when I was younger. Um, and I was told that that's what I should do in life, but I was like, there's no money in that. But it seems like this is the coalescence of, uh, of, of all, your, all your skills and all your passions kind of really coming together, not just in your fighting, but in terms of your commentary. And, and, and the podcast just seems like a, a beautiful extension of all of that because you can really tie it all in and, and have your own voice and, and be able to um, apply your craft um, and, and talk about the thing that you love the most. Yeah, and that that partner, of course, I'm that's talking it. about. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you sound their story sounds almost identical to mine in terms of acting work, and then you know do, doing the podcast and doing sports. That you really You're the like. same people. Oh, no, it's weird. There you the go. There, I'm like, that's, I, that's me. I've done that. That's, uh, not apart from the triple championship. That, that's like. <laughs> Hey, you've got the double biceps, so. <laughs> apart from the achievement part. Yeah, apart from the, like, winning bit. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but so, you're winning at life, right? Right, yeah. Well. <laughs> you did mention you came to the sport a little bit later than, uh, than most. And, and so how old were you when you did discover uh, MMA or that you started training in MMA? I was 25, about to turn 26. Wow. That, yeah, right. So I've only been in the sport like a handful of years and given that two of them were COVID and two of them I couldn't find fights. Yeah, yeah. Extraordinary. You made up for it in the last 12 or 18 months though, haven't you? Yeah, Yeah, well, that's right. have come in that short time period. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's been the best thing. Obviously, COVID wasn't the best thing, but coming out the other side – because everyone just wanted to handpick fights and they have one foot in and one foot out and like, yes, I'll fight you and then – you know, two weeks out, either pulling out or being like, can we have a gentleman's agreement to only do striking? And you're like, no, um, or get on a plane and go somewhere. Like people just weren't, they weren't showing up. 
they weren't fighting. They were just only wanted, you know, to handpick fights or, or, you know, I don't know, people just weren't showing up. Um, and then ever since COVID happened where there's been this long period where nobody could fight and mm. no fight shows could put any shows on, ever since then everybody's keen to fight. Maybe not everybody but a bigger majority of the people or the girls out there are keen to fight and they're, you know, so many fight shows, so many mm. um, have just either, you know, put on heaps of shows if they were already an established show or we've seen so many new ones across Australia pop up. Um, mm. So, like, there's more opportunity and I've just literally said yes to every single fight. <laughs> yeah, it's worked out for you, obviously. <laughs> the, um, the, the professional fight that you've got this weekend, uh, and that's for a, a different title or a new title for, at the professional level, um, yes. does that add on to your, like, if you've got three at the moment, is it because they're three different weight classes? This is one of the weight classes you already have a title in. So if you, if you win on the weekend, it doesn't mean a four-division champion would still be a three-division, but you'd have a professional belt and the amateur belt as well. Yeah, so I would have four different titles because they are different titles, but it would still only span across three different weight divisions. Um, right. You know, but one but of yes, them, the four, be, but, but it would be for a professional title, which means I'm going to fight five five-minute rounds. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and had you made up your mind uh, before your your last title fight at TFC to vacate that belt after winning it or did you make up your mind after the fight? Had you already decided that you were going to be turning pro uh, before yes. the fight or was that something in the moment where you went, "You know what? I think I've achieved everything at amateur. I'm going to I'm I'm going to go through now." No, I had um I had already thought um, initially when this one came up that that was going to be my last amateur fight regardless. But even in the – so we signed the contract for that, but then I also got then the opportunity um, for the fight that's happening on the weekend, professional debut, only four weeks later. So it's a big change going between AMI and pro already that's a big change five minute rounds and you've got all of the weapons now um and to fight twice in four weeks is a big task especially when they're you know you've just fought a title fight and the potential to get injured and whatever um but then throw on top that this is going to be straight up a a a professional title which means five five minute rounds not three five minute rounds yeah um You know, and then, then. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, because I mean, when you add in the one minute breaks, that's half an hour, half an hour of fighting potentially. Um, and not many people would be willing to to do that. Um, but Mm. I'm not the average person. Um, (laughs) I I don't, I don't think so. I'm willing to take the risks because I want to achieve things that people, other people haven't before. Um, hence the the triple weight division. (laughs) Yeah. Thing. I just wanted to like I set myself that goal last year uh and I worked my ass off to achieve it and and it 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 happened and um yeah so I got that opportunity I couldn't say no to it obviously we made them aware that we already had signed the contract uh for Diamondback um and so so be it, everybody knew everybody was still happy to take the fight and the match up and make it happen mm-hmm so it was full steam ahead. I was solely focused on that fight. And then once that was over, I was ready for the next one. But I already knew that going into that, winning that belt, uh, that I was then going to be making my pro debut, which means that I would essentially, when I actually step into the cage to become a pro, then that automatically vacates that belt anyway. Um, but I really felt in that moment though, um, you know, with, the the fight that we put on that you know no matter what the next time that 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 belt goes on the line that Talia should be fighting for it and I think she she very much earned earned that like I don't think she she that it may be a loss on her record but I don't think she really loses anything by being you know um you know part of of that fight Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah And what's been your toughest fight so far? Oh, that's Stomp a great him. question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, he's good at great I've been, questions. I've been doing my uh, media training. 
He went on an acting course when he was at high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's probably been a couple for different reasons and sometimes they're not specifically what happened in the fight but more around getting there. I think my second ever MMA fight was really, really hard, really hard um, and I learned a lot about myself in that fight. And um, I didn't have very good circumstances going into it. Uh, that was, you know, we've all got one horror story about cutting weight. There was there was that. I was injured. Uh, there's a whole bunch of, you know, issues going into it. And then I put on a, a three-round war and, and learnt so much about myself. So it's one of my favourite fights. But it was incredibly tough. Mm. Very, very, very hard. Um, so I'd say that's probably one of them. Um, What's been the most fun you've had in the in the cage? Oh, every moment. <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting hit with an overhand right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Deciding, picking the wrong moment to shoot in for a takedown. Um, you know, that's that's every fighter's, I guess, biggest fear. And then just being like, because I had this moment where I like. I just thrown this beautiful spinning back fist and I seen Talia's head go back and I seen the reaction on her face. I knew I had a, like, I, I knew I knew she was hurt from it. And then I just waited for way too long. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to let, oh, let's go for a shot or shoot in just as she goes to throw that kick and, and head butter shin. And you just see like, like Ow. the split second before it lands, I see her, twi- her hip twitch and I was like, Uh-oh. oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this this going to hurt. I made a big <laughs> but, mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was the moment she realized. <laughs> yeah, that's and, and now, uh, we've been uh, talking now for nearly 45 minutes and I feel like we're, we're friends now and we can have this, this conversation. You're going to ask for money. Yeah. <laughs> 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 How did, how did you get the nickname Drop Bear? Ah, it's a good question. You're full of them. Um, yeah, I will tell one. you. Don't Pretty worry. Right. <laughs> it was given to me, um, and it it pretty much suits me and my fight style. But basically, being the good Australian that I am, um, mm-hmm. so obviously all the big uh, MMA news used to drop on Twitter. That was mm. the first place it would always drop because for some reason Americans like Twitter. Yeah. So um, I had a group of friends that I had just made on Twitter that were from all different countries and we would talk every UFC card um, about MMA and about the UFC and, you know, whatever else. And um, I had shared with them a or, or one of them had seen a local newspaper story about a guy um, in Australia and he was in the river and he was playing with a pet snake. So he's got a VB long neck in one hand and he's got a snake and he throws the snake and then it swims back at him and he picks it up and he throws it again. And they were like, this is horrifying. What is wrong with you Australians? <laughs> if he was wearing thongs and stubbies, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they were horrified and they're like, everything in Australia tries to kill you, you know, talking about sharks and spiders and snakes. And I was like, yeah, and the worst thing you've got to look out for are drop bears, you know, being the good Australian that I am. Yeah. And they were like, what's that? Right. And then obviously I sent them some information on what, what drop bears were um, and I had them going for a very long time. Um, <laughs> and they were like, I'm never coming to Australia. I always knew that things were going to try and kill me and I thought that was all right because I'd be able to see them. But now I have to not only look at where I step for spiders and snakes, but I've got to look up as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, eventually I let them know you know, the information about drop bears. Um, and <laughs> they, um, from that moment, were, were just like, what the hell? One, what is wrong with you guys and how dare you do this? Um, but <laughs> second of all, why don't you have like a sporting team named after that, like the Darwin drop bears or something? Like that's amazing or, or yeah. whatever. And yeah. then they were like, hang on a second. That's your fight name. That's, you know, that's you. You have to be. Your name's Danielle. You're Danielle Drop Bear Curtis, like as if you could be anything else. And like it just it just fit me so well because I'm so like passionately Aussie and then it just suits my fight style and stuff as well. And then other people have sort of taken that and run with it. Like people are like, oh, yeah, you're Drop Bear because you're cute but deadly 
or like, <laughs> oh, because you like to drop down and maul people and like, or, you know, um, you know, drop bear, it's a Aussie legend and, you know, that's what I'm trying to become or, or whatever. It's kind of just grown I'm over really time as well. But it's yeah, just who really I am. Too. It's just who I am now. <laughs> so, yeah, that's for sure. It's probably a good name for a podcast, even, mm-hmm. or, a, or a combination of that. Yes, somehow. yes. What was, what was your name of your podcast again? <laughs> it's uh, Drop Bear Downpour, and the reason why it's called that is that's what I actually call my supporters, and um, and it, like as a collective term for drop bears. Um, uh-huh. oh. Yeah, because back when I st- started and and um, I had a look obviously i had a look on the internet and wikipedia and wherever else and there was no sort of set collective term for a group of Mm. drop bears so i i actually decided that that's what it was going to be because it rolls off the tongue nicely um is and uh actually i was fighting on a promotion called storm damage and so it just it just Uh. made sense that uh when i was talking about Mm. my supporter group is like there's going to be a downpour of drop bears at the at storm damage or or, yeah. or whatever. Um, and then it just kind of, that kind of stuck as well. So like on the back of my supporter shirts, it actually says "Welcome to the the drop bear downpour" or "Welcome to the downpour" or whatever. So that's yep. what I call all my friends, family, supporters. It's you're part of the drop bear downpour mm. or the downpour of drop bears. So then it just made sense to call the podcast that. Mm. So obviously the the whole family's on board now, and all, all the friends they're they're on the they're on the drop bear wagon. But was there a time when they weren't, and you had to kind of win them over to the idea that you were going to be Australia's greatest female <laughs> MMA champion? Mom, I want to go fight people in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. My mom is so into it now. She's so funny. Oh. Uh, she loves it. Like every time we're going to go, every time the UFC comes to Australia, she sent me messages going. Are you buying tickets? When are they? How much are they? Um, she comes along. She comes along. Um, I don't know if you've seen her when, like, she, she got in the cage, uh, obviously at, at Diamondback, and she was loving life. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was probably where Dave was wiping all the blood off of his jacket. Yeah, yeah. Well, when when I was overseas, because she had been to all of my fights uh, up until I fought overseas at uh the gamma world championships and she was house sitting my house um and she got the she got triple o called on her because the neighbors thought that she was being killed oh. when i won the gold medal so mum is very firmly your number one supporter <laughs> by the sounds of things yeah yeah so she she loves it um and it's so funny because i have um a younger sister and so a lot of people obviously ask her all the time, um, what do you think about Danielle doing this? It's so dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the common misconceptions of the sport. And she goes, yeah, my little sister plays like league tag and Oz tag and like touch footy and stuff. Uh-huh. And my mum's like, well, Danielle, yeah, fights people in a cage, but they're also trained. You have to, you know, train for a very long time before you – you hop in there, there's a doctor sitting right beside you. They have to get bloods and medicals to be able to fight. They have to get uh, checked by the doctor before they fight on the night. They have to get checked by the doctor after the fight. And there's a medical professional right there and a referee to stop it as soon as there's any kind of issues anyway. She's like my young, like my sister, she will play a game of footy and she's been knocked out before or broken arms. She's been knocked out a couple of times and it's taken 45 minutes to get an ambulance to her. She's yeah. like, what's the difference? My, my other daughter could literally go, I want to play soccer or I want to play like league tag. And they go, yep, turn up to training on, on Wednesday and you'll be on the field for your first game on Saturday. You know, yeah. you don't need to have any training to do any of these other sports. Mm. And so my mum kind of frames it like that. She's like, Danielle's had barely any injuries and where she has, there's been a medical professional there, um, you know, right there. And and the role of the referee, and I think that's a bit of, you know, the misconception from other people. Uh, mm. And so even at the lowest, lowest, lowest amateur level, you still have to do all of those things. And if you get knocked out, you know, or badly hurt, there's medical suspensions, even at the lowest level. Whereas 
the footy, your yeah. local footy, they can go back on after getting knocked out, you know, yeah. that same yeah. game or the next ten, week. Ten minutes or, later, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So safeguards there uh, at, at MMA fights that I, I don't think the general public are really familiar with uh, how many layers of support there are for the athletes, even at an amateur event. So uh, yeah. uh, of all the sports, if you, you know, if you are going to be physical, that's the, that's the one, that's where you're going to get all of the attention immediately to, mm. to ensure that, you know, you're, you're kept in good stead and that you're not forced to come back to the sport sooner than what's healthy as well. I think, yeah. I think that's uh, one of the, the great things that they have done in, in MMA. And, and of course, you know, maybe because there was so, so much, um, reg- so much in the regular, environment that they had to comply with just mm. in order to get the sport approved and sanctioned so mm. that they could compete in the first place it's yeah. almost as a result of that it's uh, one of the safest sports that you could um, get involved in um, yeah absolutely uh, and and there's developmental pathways like you're not starting your your first fight copping elbows and stuff either um, and I don't think people realize that like people only people who aren't informed or educated on the sport only see the things that end up going viral, which is, you know, a leg break or a crazy knockout or something. But they don't realise that, one, that's only a smaller percentage of how fights often go, number one. Number two, they don't see that they're the, the, the fact that the doctor is literally outside the cage. They only see that bit of footage. They don't see the doctor. They don't see, you know then the medical suspensions or, you know, all of those other bits and pieces. So, yeah, it's, it's cool because my mum is kind of like also now a really big fan. She loves the sport um, and she watches she watches it like she'll yeah, watch. Her favourite favorite fighter? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, we'll, no, we'll, I we'll do the, your mum's favourite fighter. Unless Cadell Evans takes up fighting. <laughs> <laughs> all, um, it's all downhill but it's, fighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's kind of cool because she's so uh, now she's also, you know, becoming quite passionate about it or at least, you know, being informed that she is kind of a really good advocate um, mm-hmm. as well. So when people do ask her those questions, she actually comes back and explains and yeah. will give people information. So I'm really happy and, and sort of really proud of, of her for that because she is doing doing that same sort of thing in a different way to what I, I think is really important. And it's like mm-hmm. educating people and showing them like the other side and why people like us love love the sport because mm. you know and just mm-hmm. get them over that hump of the the bit that's stopping them mm, absolutely yeah, i was gonna say there's never in ufc never been any deaths uh serious paralyzing injuries never had anything like that we've had leg breaks and arm breaks and people getting knocked out and, and all that sort well, of thing we've had that on the podcast so I'm yeah i mean that <laughs> regular but uh you know you compare that to something like boxing or, or even kickboxing where you know unfortunately there, there are deaths Mm. every yeah. year um you know it is it is as you mentioned there are so many safety aspects to it one of the yeah, things well, always always curious with uh, female fighters and so here's here's my sexist question we we had um, shane uh, mitchell on, on the podcast last week mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he was just mentioning in his knockout on the pfl how uh, he uh, split open his ear and uh, we we're having a good look at his ear he's a good looking young man shane mitchell but that ear <laughs> <laughs> the, the ear's not helping. Um, so he's got the cauliflower <laughs> ear and a little bit. Of, and, and uh, you know, the recent stitches haven't done, done it any, any benefit. But uh, from from a, 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 a woman's perspective, from a female fighter's perspective, uh, do you think about those things? Like what if I get the cauliflower ear or do you have I've cauliflower ear? Cla- I've got how, a cauliflower you, ear. <laughs> and and, and how, how, how do you feel about that? Because in all respects, I'll say almost all of the female fighters that we've had on the DFC cards have, and and the uh, and the other cards that I've announced on, they've all been very feminine girls. They, yeah. These aren't tomboys that are out there that are, you know, wishing that they were boys. These are girly girls that just happen to fucking fight you know <laughs> um so uh, yeah how do you deal with some of those injuries that that might you know uh, uh i guess uh give you some uh, you know ugly ears and a, and a bit of a bent nose and that type of thing how, how do you do i with literally that? do not care hey <laughs> 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 I, like i i i'm happily proudly you know a girl but i don't girl very well so like i <laughs> I like 
it's very rare that you'll ever see me in makeup. It's uh, <laughs> like I've never had a fake tan. I've had fake nails once. I've never had fake eyelashes. I have completely real hair. Wow. Um, I, I'm lazy. Actually, <laughs> lazy is probably not the right word. Well, uh, all of my time, effort. I'm the laziest world champion you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Lazy is not right. It's like <laughs> all of my time, effort, focus goes into everything else that I'm doing. I just don't really care. Like, like I had a friend say to me that she was getting her eyebrows done and, you know, she she had these list of things that she needed to get done and she was like, oh, the only one I'm thinking about skipping is training and, then, you know, other things were like get a tan and get her eyebrows done and I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, just like, well, don't you get your eyebrows done all the time? I was like, man. If I remember to go and get them just like waxed or something, you know, once every six months, I'm doing all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> other priorities. Other priorities. With you change from three minutes to five minutes. Um, is your style, are you more of a, a grappler that you'd say you, you prefer to be on the ground going for submissions? Do you think that the, having that extended time in the round would help you? To be honest, I don't think I'm a grappler. I think I'm just literally, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm especially good at any one thing. I think what makes me good is that I'm well-rounded enough that I feel comfortable taking the fight wherever it goes, like fighting it wherever it goes or taking it wherever I feel it needs to go based on the opponent in front of me. So there's some fights where I am grappling heavy just because that's the easy. that seems to be the easiest thing. Like when I get in there with the opponent then I'm like, oh, all right, it doesn't really seem like, you know, you're going to be able to stop me or, or whatever, then I go that. But I've had heaps of fights where they've literally just been striking as well yeah. and I've, you know, out out striking people. Um, and so I think people get focused on the, the highlight reels of where I take people down and ground and pound them and maybe don't see the rest of the fight or my other fights and then they think I'm just a grappler. But... Um, might be the drop bear nickname. I think it's that too. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that's my biggest strength is that I'm, again, I don't have any standout natural talents. It's just it's just hard work and I feel like all I've done is sort of work on everything so I just feel comfortable wherever and can adapt. I think my fight IQ from – all of these aspects to being a fan, being a commentator, being a fighter, um, being an official. I feel like my fight IQ is probably one of the the things that makes me successful uh, mm. and just being able to adapt and change what I'm doing in there and not get stuck on this is what I think I should be doing. Um, mm. It's just like, yeah, living in the moment like what you guys talked about, um, being really present and just going, yep, yeah, well, they're trying to do this. I'm going to do this. Um, so you, you, sorry. No, I, I'm just going to circle back. Obviously, I think the the five minute rounds plays well to my strengths as well because I like to warm into a fight generally, and I like to push the pace, and I like to like I I feel like I am a very very fit, and I genuinely have so much fun in there too that like that. I think that plays to my strengths. The The longer that things go, I just wear people down in any respect, whether it's on the ground or whether it's standing when I put people against the cage, I'm going to wear people down. So I think having that extra time because because also because I'm having so much fun, it just flies by. Mm. And then my corner's yelling out, you got 30 seconds left. And I'm like, what? I'm just <laughs> getting – this round's just getting started. That's how I feel every time. Every time I'm like – you're joking. Um, so I, I'm really excited to fight five minute rounds, to be honest. Mm. Oh, so have you, have you gotten gassed at all in a, in a fight? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, not in, not in any of my recent ones, uh, more so like earlier on when I was fighting, you know, bigger people and when I've had things going wrong prior to fights, I guess the closest to gassing out in my recent fights would have been. My fight on Eternal um, last year and I 
went into that fight with a torn shoulder and I only had three weeks to get ready um, because I had torn it and then I was like I wasn't allowed to use it at all for like six to eight weeks. Um, mm. And so. It's a fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I fought a striker. Um, and yeah, so my gas tank was probably the worst that it's been in recent years in, heading into that fight because I really only had, because one week of that three weeks is fight week. Mm. You know, you, you're cutting weight and you're, on, you don't, you're not doing full training in fight week. Uh, so I pretty much only had two weeks to try and get ready for a fight. Yes. Um, but Again, amateur, I just say yes to fights. I take the opportunities and I, I learn from them and, and all of that kind of stuff. So that was probably, I would say, gas tank-wise, probably my worst performance um, in recent years. But definitely prior to COVID, fighting the big girls and having had injuries and stuff, heading into my second MMA fight, oh, I was I was wrecked. It was a horror weight cut. I cut like seven kilos in two and a bit days, oh, which is, geez. yeah. And I, it was, so it's like I, I didn't have saliva anymore. anymore. Yeah. It was horrendous. Oh, Insane. How'd you do it? Was it sauna or was it bath or? It was all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> all of one. <laughs> and now, you, now you've got your first, your pro debut, which is also for a, a championship belt. Um, where, where's that fight? Uh, so that will be on Enduro Fight Series in Canberra uh, this Enduro weekend. Fight Series. And, yeah. and how can people catch that? So it'll be live streamed on uh, Combatants' website. Combatants. So, yeah, this, the show is sold out. So there's no tickets to go to it, but people can definitely watch it via uh, the Combatants' website. It's Enduro Fight Series number four. And uh, us girls are the co-main event. So very oh, similar to... Very similar to on Diamondback, how that we were fighting for the flyweight amateur title co-main event. Yeah. This time we'll be fighting for the professional flyweight title um, co-main event. So very exciting. Amazing, amazing. And wonderful to see uh, women's uh, MMA now elevated to that main event position, not just on the, on the big stage of the UFC, but also at a regional level now. So uh, obviously the crowd loves it as much as anybody else. Uh, so uh, absolutely amazing. Um, so tell us again, uh, the podcast, where, where can people find the podcast? Yeah, so the the podcast is Drop Bear Downpour, and um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, um, but the actual podcast episodes on YouTube, Apple uh, Podcasts, and Spotify. And given that's a video podcast, if you do listen uh, just audio, actually put up all the additional video content extras up on our Instagram in the Instagram stories, so you can just check that out. Um, you know, only a couple of minutes versus trying to rewatch the whole thing. And mm-hmm. if you want to follow me, uh, Drop Bear MMA on all social media. Mm. Drop Bear good. MMA got that one sewn up. Hey, that's one pretty last, good. One, one last question before we sort of wrap everything up. With your, your you said you, your partner was uh, discussing his perspective when watching your fights or, or leading into a fight. Um, what was what was it like for him watching you in the cage or did he have any moments where he was just like, oh, I can't. This is, well, this is... he was in my corner. So he was oh. with me out the back, warming me up. Uh, like he, yeah, so obviously I do pads with my coach and he's like getting, you know, water ready and whatever needs to be ready. But then he was my person when I would do like partner work getting ready out the back. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, obviously he was sitting in the corner so his role was yelling the time or re-yelling whatever my coach is saying Three if he seconds. thinks I haven't heard it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and we we chatted extensively about that. It was really, really cool because um, I asked him when when does he get the most nervous and it was probably a little bit uh, – I wasn't – probably not what I thought. He gets the most nervous when we're about to walk out when I take those first couple of steps before he does so that's apparently when when he gets the most nervous um and then when he gives me the kiss goodbye before i hop into the cage but then when he sees me fight because i have the big smile on my face and everything and he sees that i'm doing what i love it kind of puts him at ease um and then he gets focused i think he actually likes it better being in my corner compared to being in the crowd in the crowd then he's just focused on worrying but when he's given a task like being in the corner i think that 
I think that makes it a lot easier for him. And then um, when he got into the cage, I actually put a clip of him, uh, you know, once the fight was over and we were thanking each other's corners and stuff and he's yeah, there's, Diamondback managed to capture it. He's, you know, thanked the other like the the other corners team and then as he's walking back across to stand there to get ready for the result, he's like <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he for him it's like absolute pure joy because he sees all the hard work behind the scenes that goes into it. And so it's really special for me to actually share those moments with him, for him to be in my corner and then be in the cage with me when, you know, when I when I won. Um and I when I got down off the off the cage and I gave him a big kiss, he actually I actually put blood all over his face. <laughs> was a lot of blood. There was a lot of blood. So <laughs> did, 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 did some more, just I know. Um, did he feel that he had to sort of hide his nerves to for your benefit? Um, I assume that he kind of does, but I think that's just him. Um, like I think that he, for the most part, doesn't feel too nervous. And then when he does, he kind of just hangs behind me. Um, and then, yeah, he, I think he hides it in those moments. Um, but he, cause he doesn't want to take away from me or my performance or have me worrying about him. But I think he also knows me really, really well that I'm just going to go out there and have heaps of fun so and and i have checked out your instagram and i really did like the way that you guys piece together those stories with the backups and the visuals so uh, as much as it's a podcast it's not just you guys talking to screen the whole time uh with those little highlight reels that uh, people can find there on your instagram page you can you you're, you're lending a little bit of background and you're providing that b-roll footage and really making uh, the person, me in that case, like feel like I'm a fly on the wall, and that I'm, I'm, I'm actually there with you guys. So, uh, uh, you, the the podcast, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Aww. Two episodes in, and Thank uh, you. yeah, well, you've got a fan in me. I'm I'm, I'm subscribed. So, uh, <laughs> and, and anybody who's been watching the podcast this long so far is now surely a fan of Danielle Drop Bear Curtis as well. So definitely get onto the Drop Bear Downpour podcast. You can find that on Apple. Uh, youtube of course and head over to instagram pick up some of those little highlights i'm sure you're going to love what you see subscribe to the podcast make sure you're following this young lady's journey as she takes on the world of mma doing australia proud a fantastic ambassador not just for your sport but for our country ladies and gentlemen thank you very much danielle drop bear curses thanks guys thank you so Uh, much for having me i really really appreciate it (laughs) 